From the back alleys of Batu to the frozen tundra of Hoth, this is the Star Warriors podcast. And so the first season of Mandalorian is now over, and here we are uh, watching more. So we unfortunately have to wait till October. Uh, you know, fingers crossed that things don't get delayed or anything like that. But you know, we couldn't be more excited. And after this first season, uh, we have a lot to talk about, uh, and you know, we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, first off, I do want to introduce our favorite scruffy-looking nerf herders. So joining me today are, go ahead, guys, and introduce yourself. I'm Casey. I'm Callan. I'm Moses. And I'm the Rock Nest Monster. And this is Chris, and I'll be hosting the show. And we're going to jump into some questions and do a little round robin uh, and, you know, just talk up some, some points from the, from the first season. So let's, let's, let's jump into this first thing. Uh, I do want to talk about Star Wars live action TV and the history behind that. And how, you know, kind of how long you've been waiting for a live action TV show. You know, we've gotten some great animated uh, shows and we'll talk about that in a little bit since it's all connected. But, um, you know, what was uh, your first your first thoughts when you did hear that there may be a live action Star Wars show coming? You know, let's let's go back to the late 90s. I think it was. Go ahead, Casey. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking about is I remember when Lucas was working on the Star Wars Underground show. And I don't, I don't remember if we put it in the group or not, that footage from that. Did you guys all watch that? They actually took video of it. Um, I'll have to put it into the group, but they actually shot it. And uh, Lucas had initially said that he was going to write 100. Well, the team was going to write 100 scripts so that whatever network got the show, they would have to then put it into syndication. Because 100 episodes, you can be syndicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I've been waiting since, I guess, the late 90s um, for them to be working on those scripts. And apparently they did shoot some stuff. Um, even in 2003, they had shot some stuff. And then it just kind of went nowhere. So when we heard about The Mandalorian with Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni attached, it was it was the greatest thing ever <laughs> to hear that news. Finally, 20-something years later, we were getting that live-action show. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as, as Casey here, where when we first heard about uh, Underground, I was excited for it. I, I mean, I'm I'm that guy that loves anything Star Wars, but uh, mainly anything with lightsabers in it. You know, that's the real pull for me, just because I always wanted to be a, a star wizard of some type. <laughs> or a warrior. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yep, that's right. Guess what? We're changing the name of the podcast. You're welcome, world. Uh, but... The idea that it was going to mainly kind of work on the underworld was still kind of intriguing to me. And then when they kind of plucked that and took it into this, into the Mandalorian, I was like, okay, um, that's actually kind of awesome. And I would love to see something that is outside of my expectations so that I don't come in with anything drastically high. And that actually, I'm not going to dive into what my opinions yet, but uh, I, I was very, very excited for it and uh, definitely wanted to make sure that uh, I wasn't going to miss any of this. So Disney plus you got my money right away. <laughs> yeah. I'm a same. Like I didn't actually never heard of the underworld stuff, but I do remember thinking, wishing for a star Wars show, especially, um, you know, HBO always had movies and then they started doing shows and, and they had that quality behind them where it didn't matter if you, if uh, you liked the topic or not, the, the production values were excellent. 
And then eventually Netflix got to that part and I was, I kept on remembering, thinking, I was like, oh, like all these apps now are doing their own shows and they actually have like a lot of quality in their production. And that's where I was just like, God, I'd love to see a Star Wars with this quality production. And then, you know, as soon as you hear about Disney Plus and what's that's coming out, I was just a kid again. I mean, I was more excited, I think, to to watch a live action more than like any of the movies that ever came out. There is to me being able to tell a story over, you know, a number of episodes. I always feared things getting dragged out, but it seems like, you know, they're they're not rushing and they're doing, you know, the half hour episodes They're they're telling you as much as they need to without having to drag anything out. And so, um, yeah, I was just a, a little kid again, excited for the next Star Wars to come out. Right. Um, for me with, with the Mandalorian, like hearing a Star Wars live action show, I mean, I was immediately all about it. And then actually, and I don't feel the same way now when they announced it as the Mandalorian, and then we later find out that it's it has nothing to do with Boba Fett. For me, my initial reaction was you have this character that everybody loves and says what? He has like three lines, four lines in all the movies. This motherfucker is finally going to get a show? Like, yes. And then I'm like, well, what do you mean it's another Mandalorian? Why, what's the point? Like, why would you do that? Then the more details come out. I see, you know, Favreau, who I trust. Filoni's attached to this, Taika Waititi, you know, and now I'm getting more excited. I'm getting more excited. I'm getting more excited. You know, Bryce Dallas Howard as a director as well, which, you know, I mean, I I guess she's talented. I love the episode that she did. But then again, I loved every episode from the moment I started watching it all the way through. I was like, Boba who? Like, I, I, you know, I'm all in with this dude. And I mean, that's honest to goodness. That's my initial reaction all the way to the end. I mean, I'm I'm super happy about the show, and I cannot wait until season two. Awesome. Yeah, that's 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 funny. I don't want to hear if if your answer for the next question, Rocco, is all the episodes. We can take the time, but we won't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm right there with you guys. Um, you know, I I was super excited for Underground um, or Underworld, whatever it was going to be called, um, because. You know, we just come off Shadows of the Empire, which really kind of launched something new for Star Wars. Uh, we, we'd lived in the time of just the original trilogy for so long and those movies and, 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 you know, Ewok movies and holiday specials and, you know, all that, all that fun stuff. But, um, to kind of get something brand new, um, and then have the aspect of having a TV show, like, uh, Moses mentioning, like to be able to just kind of, take something and, and span it out over time and really dive deep into, into story and character development. I always felt like that wasn't something we really experienced with Star Wars. And we still, you know, with the movies, they're great, but they're also, you know, fit in this two, two and a half hour time block with, with a story to tell right away and get into it. So um, I love TV. And I think that we're in this generation of TV where we're getting better shows and better production on shows. Um, and it's just, you know, we're, we're the better, we're all the better for it. And, um, so for them to be doing this show, um, it's awesome. And, and just like Rocco, I was, I was like very excited about it being a Mandalorian based show. Um, and even more excited when, um, I knew they're going to be doing new characters and new stories. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of where we'll leave it with that. Um, so like I said, let's, let's jump into our, um, our favorite episode. Uh, so, 
tell me what your favorite episode was and why. Wow. Okay. Um, it, it is hard because I do enjoy them all for different reasons, but I will say probably uh, the third episode, um, The Sin, who Deborah Chow directed that. And I think one of the things that was really great about that is that we knew that she was going to be the showrunner on that um, Obi-Wan series whenever it does come out as well. But seeing <laughs> seeing that Mandalorian heavy seeing them fly, you know what I mean? Like seeing like, basically they took those scenes that are in rebels and in clone wars. When we see all the Mandalorians doing cool shit, I was like, this is it. This is finally (laughs) it. We've only seen the Mandalorians for the most part, do what he's art, like what we've already seen before, which is like, you know, shoot your grappling hook thing, shoot your fire thing, mm-hmm. shoot guns. Like Boba Fett, in a short amount of time, he really does do all that stuff mm-hmm. already. So this time to actually see them flying and seeing like all of that crazy action and of course that Gatling gun, that's when I was like, whoa, okay. Plus, as a big spaghetti western fan, it's literally all that whole trilogy of uh, Clint Eastwood movies, like, and it's done brilliantly. So for me, um, there's other things in other episodes that I also really love, but just hands down, that one was my favorite. I'm going to have to reach through my microphone and or my camera, whichever's easier to grab Casey by the throat for taking my pick. <laughs> um, because it was exactly that. I, I felt like it was also the most complete story arc of an episode that you can watch on its own, just seeing like that little recap of what had happened in the first two leading up to it, and then still enjoying it for every beat that goes through it. And it's it has such a cinematic quality to it, not only in how it's shot and how it's pr- produced and how it's performed, but also in how it's written. It it gives that that hero's redemption where he's seen as this sellout by his clan, by his creed. And then at the very end, because he does what's perceived to be the right thing and sticking it to the Imperials and then coming back and everyone's there for him was just such a satisfying moment. I I mean, personally, I I knew it in my gut that it was going to happen in that moment when he's all on his own, everything's outnumbered beyond belief. And then, like you said, Casey, those Mandos come in and uh, man, it was so great. I just, I, I have watched that episode the most out of all of them, mainly for that moment. And the fact that it was John Favreau, in the heavy, well, I don't know if he was actually in the heavy armor, but certainly was playing Paz Vizsla, right? That's the name of the character, isn't it? Isn't that what he was uh, um, given the name as? He was a Vizsla. I'm not sure if it was Paz Vizsla, but he was definitely. He's uh, related, right? Isn't he like the grandson or something like that? Oh, Vizsla. That, that's where my yeah, Paz Star Vizsla, Wars. Uh, you're right. Yeah. It is. It is. Okay. Right. Yeah, I mean, just just that was everything about that episode rocks in in every way, and I just could rewatch it ad nauseum. Yeah, I think uh, well, you know, the third episode was definitely one of the better ones, but my favorite was probably the last one, um, Redemption. Um, I love that episode. I remember just uh, staying away from finding out who the director was 
and for all the episodes. And I remember five, ten minutes into that episode, I just uh, was just like, oh, I need to watch the credits because this episode is absolutely fantastic. And obviously it was Taika, and I'm glad we're going to get some more Star Wars from him. Um, and that episode just had, had it all. It had ups and downs and, you know, with IG-11 and, um, one of the things I loved is that throughout the entire series, you're, you're trying to find out what Mando is going to be doing, you know, with the asset. And I think, you know, that final episode kind of establishes it, It establishes who Mando is, um, as a whole and, you know, what his mission is now with quote unquote baby Yoda, and so it gets me even more excited for season two. Um, that being said, my absolute favorite scene, as small as it is, is in episode three in The Sin, where he sits down back in the ship after having delivered the baby, and he looks at the, the missing knob, right? Mm-hmm. There's no dialogue. There's no You don't have to see his facial express, expression, which kind of brought me back to the original and not the remake where they had to add where Lucas added the, 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 the sound, but the original, you know, when Vader kind of looks between Luke and, and the emperor and you don't need facial expressions. You didn't need anything. Just the way the head looked back and forth. And it just made me think of that. And oh, that, that scene right there just tied that, that show to me. But yeah, overall, I think the final episode was my favorite. Right on. So I guess this happened again. So with uh, Colin and Casey, uh, I'm going to do the same thing. The the final episode was my favorite. Um, Let's be honest, guys. We always fast forward to the end to see the money shot. And um, for me, that's what that was for this whole season. Um, I love, like I said before, I loved every episode, right? And I felt like the final one, I wanted everything tied up. You know, I obviously to leave us with some mystery going into season two, but at least tie up the what's going to happen next, where we've been going. I mean, shit, the dark saber that opens up a whole fucking can. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. So this is this just blew open. Um, the fact that the armorer told him that he needs to find enemy. What did what did she call them? Space or not space wizards. Enemy. Um, uh, God, what's the word? What's the word that she used? She called them warrior monks or something like that. And she's like, they were called Jedi. And you need to bring him to his people or train, you know, or end up training him as a, as a foundling. I mean, all that whole scene with the armorer and like explaining uh, the quote unquote baby Yoda, that whole thing where it, it's just kind of like he's understanding now what his mission is. Um, IG-11 sacrifice at the end. I mean, coming out of an assassin droid. Um, obviously, that was reprogrammed, but I mean, I just thought that that was great. Um, the jetpack, when he finally got his jetpack. I mean, shit, I felt like I was waiting for that the whole season. Like, I wanted to see him fly. And then to take on a TIE fighter. I mean, it was... The guy has got a set of humongous bantha balls and it's just it's it's incredible i i just thought it was incredible i love that episode i rewatched that episode like four five six seven times if i haven't already watched the whole season like three times in a row um but yeah i'd have to say overall the final episode was my favorite and it, it just made me want season two even more than i already did previously to that episode 
And when he ripped open the TIE fighter with that dark saber, guys, I just, I put my, I remember I put my drink down and I was just like, I don't even know right now. I can't freaking wait till season two. Well, you know, that was like Filoni while reading the script. He's like, I'm going to add a little something there at the end. <laughs> Ex exactly, dude. And that's what I love about it is the tie-in. I love the cartoons. I'm a huge Rebels and Clone Wars fan. So to see that, like, I, I can't even describe. I was, I, was so, I was elated and excited at the same time. And I love Filoni. I love Favreau. I love Taika. And I just felt like the three of them really came together for that episode. And it was for us. I felt like it was for us. And something you mentioned, you know, with IG-11, and this goes back to how, you know, what we, what we said initially about, you know, our expectations with the TV show. I actually got more excited when I found out it wasn't Bubba. Because one issue I have with the movies, um, as much as I love them all, is... And I think we had this conversation in Messenger, too, about Rebels versus Clone Wars, or at least uh, I mentioned it, is you can only do so much with characters that you know the future of. You can't, there's no imminent danger. There's no, so True. from the moment they said, you know, this isn't Bubba, this is something else, you're, I'm worried, you know, we don't know if Mando's going to die in, by the end of the show, you know, yeah. whenever it ends. You don't even know yeah. if Yoda's going to die. And so I just love the fact that, you know, eight, IG-11, you barely even knew him, but I don't know. It got to me. It, you yeah. know, like, oh, man, like, I wanted more of him now. And, mm -hmm. so, yeah, that was that was definitely another plus. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the big thing about these movies, too. It's like, what are the stakes? Like, let's watch a prequel trilogy where we know what happens. Yeah, that's yeah. that's great. And all, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't really give it too much gravity. And so it's nice to have these fresh stories. Like I was saying, new characters, new stories. Yeah, I mean, it's like we, you know, if you read the books, you know, Boba Fett might be alive post Return of the Jedi, but it's, would you rather see something new or do you want to see the continual adventures of Boba Fett? You know, so yeah. I, you know, I just thought it was, it was, it's fresh. And it also, like we were just saying, it really ties into the canon, which is something that yeah. we're, we're kind of very, kind, of, you know, we've been kind of um, critical about. Is Disney doing a good job respecting canon or building canon with the movies? Not so much, except for, you know, the Star Wars stories that they canceled. But here they have the continuation of what they set up in, in the Clone Wars and Rebels and whatnot. So it, it just it's neat to see that all kind of tie together, even though if it's not solid, um, there are these elements that that continue across the stories. So. Um, so, you know, my favorite episode um is the one where the DMV screws up Kramer's license plates um, and he becomes the ass man. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I just saw that episode too. <laughs> That's the best. Um, anyways, I, I love the episodes you guys, the, I guess the two episodes you guys talked about, but um, I my favorite episode is The Prisoner, um, episode six. Uh, it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's contained. Uh, mostly to that space station and we get to see a little bit of the new republic uh we get to see uh it's basically like a heist which i love heists and he teams up with you know some of his, some characters from his past and it's like one of the first times we've seen a twi'lek in a long time uh you know played by natalia tenna uh which was neat and speaking of that i mean there was a bunch of people in that episode like bill burr and clancy brown and her and it was neat. I don't even who was the guy in the station, you know, that um, that sends them on the mission. I forgot what his name is. So there's it's funny because like the show has a lot of familiar faces, 
but I don't feel like it's forced. It's like, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's great. And I think they just do a very organic job of bringing in people that we know, but still delivering Star Wars characters. Um, but I really like that episode because, um, A, the heist, like I said, but it just, it just shows a, what kind of badass he kind of is as he stalks them um through the through the base and i just i really was i really liked that whole part and, and it ends up he doesn't even kill them which is even better for me because it's just like he could be this mercenary badass whatever and we could be like all right fine he's just killing off people but he's just you know he spares them but then he goes back to the back to the the workshop whatever the, the other guys are brings the brings the one twilight back and then <laughs> sets off that homing beacon and wipes them out so that was um i thought that was a really fun episode uh and just kind of got us away from the the storyline mostly mostly um so let's talk about the child uh aka baby yoda um aka bay uh love him or hate him um i i'm i'm really wondering how people do feel about him and so just share your thoughts on this very very popular new character Okay, I just wanted to say something real quick about that episode. Oh yeah, I thought sorry. that that was um, the closest that we've gotten to a, a horror movie in Star Wars. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like aliens. With, <laughs> aliens, or like honestly, Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? So it, and to me, when I was watching that episode, I was like, oh, I could see them doing a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like obviously, it's Disney; they'll have to do it pretty PG thirteen, but. Still, it was pretty cool <laughs> to see him stalking around like that. Do you remember that book that came out with the zombie stormtroopers? Yeah, I know yes, oh, I read this. Yeah, like that kind of stuff would be fun to see, kind of just as like something on Disney Plus, like a short or actually whatever. You know? Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to even even talk about that episode again because there's just so much in that episode. I don't know how many of you guys are huge fans of comedy, I'm sure all of you, but Bill Burr, of whom I celebrate his entire catalog, um, he was incredible. The joke he made, I wasn't a stormtrooper, smartass, when he was like, he was an Imperial sharpshooter. Well, that's not saying much. Like, that, that, that scene in itself, I remember laughing so hard, and what I love is... There's an interview you got to find. It's Bill Burr, and he's laughing his ass off. I think it's Conan or something. And he's like, I just want to watch all the little Star Wars nerds' heads explode because I've made fun of Star Wars nerds for so long. No, I'm in the show! <laughs> like, just his reaction to that, to me, is freaking hysterical. I love that guy. And to the to the point of uh, that episode with all sorts of cameos and whatnot. Weren't the three fighter pilots all directors from different uh, Star Wars, yes. including Filoni himself? Yep. I did not know that. Wow. Yep. Filoni's yeah. in there. Yep. Yeah, I forgot about that. Good point. Good point. I mean, they, they did a good job with the, the you know, the, the humor throughout the entire series. I mean, obviously, the two stormtroopers at the at the last episode. I mean, that was hilarious. Um, but it, it gave you also some realism, you know, because until... the then the stormtroopers were just these masks and, and and suits, but you got to see like they're just people back underneath there. You know, they're they're just soldiers, and it, it, I think that was the first first time, even more so than you know Finn, who was a a trooper. You got to see that they are just regular people, soldiers back there with their own kind of feelings and stuff. But you know, it's, it's it's a really good point that you say that because 
we're we're talking about the creator of the Clone Wars and how he took a, basically a face that a whole bunch of different characters have the same character and made them like personalized, you know, person yeah. like different personalities. Yeah. The clones, like in that, like I was like, oh well, that's I'm, I'm not sure that's going to really like um, work, but it worked so well. And some of those characters are my favorites from from Star Wars in general. So I I was I was going to mention that because. The minute that you guys mentioned uh, uh, Sadukas or whatever, um, and 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 the stormtroopers not being able to shoot right when they're sitting there and they're trying to shoot whatever's on the on the on the ground and they can't hit it and they're like sitting five <laughs> feet from it, that was such a good that's such a good shtick, you know. It's like this is this is Star Wars and it's funny and you know thank you, you know. <laughs> so yeah, series didn't take itself too seriously, which is smart. Yeah, it's Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but back to your baby Yoda question, uh, love, that's not even, it's just like, what is it? It's the most popular Funko pop of all time, saying a lot since Funko was like 20 years old at this point. Like, it's it's one of those things where it crosses every single generation, which Star Wars does, but every single person that seen baby Yoda thinks it's cute. So I don't know anyone who's going to say hates it because I can't see how that's physically possible. Yeah, I'm not exactly a, a person who's gonna jump through walls to to save Baby Yoda anytime soon. Right. But I certainly don't hate him. I I, I love the I fact wouldn't. that he has become the gateway drug for so many people to get into Star Wars. I I can't count how many non nerdy theater people I know in my Facebook feed are only just sharing photos of or drawings or you know stuffed animals of Baby Yoda. And all they talk about is that, and they go, well, I have to watch this show just so I can watch Baby Yoda. And I'm like, well, that that's cool. Hey, it means you get to talk about that. I went to a New Year's Eve party out in a space where with people I never would have thought would be talking about the Mandalorian. And that was the first thing I was asked about. I was like, we got to talk about the Mandalorian. I was like, wow, yeah. you watch that? They're like, have you seen Baby Yoda? I'm like – Okay, let's let's do this. That's awesome. <laughs> so I I love what he's done for society. I love what he's done for the world. I don't love him, but I'm not heartless. So you're more of a Babu Frick person. Oh no, that's right. You're, no, you're no, no, no. Boba Frick can go to hell. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> or Babu Frick, whatever his name well, is. Hey, I love them all. You jerk. This <laughs> is Crumb. Oh, come on. <laughs> Now, that's my that's my guy right there okay yeah no i mean i, I do appreciate baby yoda's uh i i do love him and i, I appreciate him for for a lot of reasons obviously you got that that vulnerability as a baby so i think he makes a good part of the story um i also think he just the, the moments where he reaches out to the force is really good at kind of giving you the the goosebumps at like you're seeing something really strong happening at that moment. You know what I mean? Something you don't get very often in Star Wars. You get it maybe with Rey here and there, you know, especially when she's first learning. And, you know, you don't get it in the prequels at all, but you get it in, you know, when Luke first reaches for that saber in the snow, you know, hanging upside down. And you get to, to feel that again. Um, and I also do like that, yeah, everybody is talking about it. And I have family members who, like, they know how much I love Star Wars. They know Star Wars. They never were into Star Wars until 
I get the call saying, yeah, I just spent five and a half hours watching the entire <laughs> Mandalorian. And yep. it, it gets us. And, you know, honestly, that's like one of the reasons for all the issues I might have with the prequels. I remember trying to get my seven year old nephew to watch Star Wars and I played episode four first and he was just like, eh. but then I played episode one and he loved it. And now he loves Star Wars. So if, if you know, those prequels will do that for someone and get someone into star Wars. And if baby Yoda will do that, then, you know, two thumbs up. Um, but one of my favorite things about baby Yoda is, and this is something I noticed, um, how to explain it. So whoever's gone to galaxy's edge and to Don on cars, there's those four, uh, glyph, uh, like, uh, hieroglyphs or something going in. And it's just kind of like a drawing, an ancient drawing of, jedis fighting these aliens and whoever's playing fallen or played fallen order it has a lot to do with these force sensitive aliens mm -hmm. and I, I love that aspect i love um and you know with rebels we saw it a little with uh bendu but i, I love that that aspect of you know like in ancient alien civilizations that might be way before the jedi that have a lot to do with the force and by bringing you know, the acid baby Yoda into the story, it's like a reminder. Oh, this is a species. This is a force, clearly a force sensitive species. And it gives you that, that connection between there's a lot more going on between, you know, it's a, it's a much bigger galaxy. It's not just a bunch of humans with, and, 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 and I mean, obviously there's other races that, that are Jedi, but to me, I don't know, even the, whatever race they had as Jedi, it's still in the humanoid in the you they were they were younglings they trained they learned but then you got this baby that's just kind of born with it and it, and it it gives you a different look on alien species and their connection with the force and so i love that aspect about it right on right on um with with baby yoda and everyone's obsession lately um I mean, as some of you that know me are going to know what I'm going to say right now. Friggin' casuals, okay? These <laughs> these friggin' casuals, gatekeeper that, that just go. On, but but we're gonna I'm gonna talk about that in a second. Um, for me, when and we go back to what you were saying about goosebumps, you know, and and him and him utilizing the force. So I believe it was the second episode with the mudhorn. And he's fighting the Mudhorn, and the Mudhorn charges him, and sure enough, we see it stopped, and it's fucking floating, and I gasped. I gasped like a woman in the 1930s. <gasps> like, I gasped. And I knew it, it was Baby Yoda, or, you know, the child, as it, as it should be called. How I haven't had that feeling since, guys, do you remember episode seven, sitting in that theater, opening night, and... Kylo Ren calls the lightsaber and it flies and who catches it but Ray and yep. everything inside of me exploded. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a feeling like that since baby Yoda and the Mudhorn. And for me, and I, and that's all the Disney movies. That's not to say that I don't love them. I love them all, but I'm saying that feeling I got with Ray catching the Skywalker lightsaber uh, was the same thing with Baby Yoda and the Mudhorn because we know of the species, but we don't know if they're all force sensitive. Now we 
we really fucking know that they're all, at least the presumption would be they're all Force-sensitive. Yoda, Yaddle, and now whatever this little guy is, which from what I've read, we're going to get a name and we're going to hear him talk, um, which would be great. When? That's the question. I don't know. Nobody knows. It's Star Wars. But anyway, um, I absolutely love the character. I know I joke and I say fucking casuals. Um, but if it can bring people into loving something that has shaped such a huge part of my life since I was a child, you know, to, to like bridge that gap and, and have something that we can talk about for something that I love so deeply. Um, I mean, whatever. I'm not mad about it. I like to make jokes, but I'm not mad about it. I, I, I love Baby Yoda. And yes, I pre-ordered his pop and I pre-ordered his black series. And I can't wait for both of them to come in the mail. Yeah, but who's getting the life-size sideshow collectible? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> if it moves, when 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 it actually is articulated, I'll be buying. One. <laughs> yeah. When they have a Henson puppet for it, then I'm gonna get it. Thank you. Don't you. need to play with it. You can just stand there and just rep- just like that Darth Maul hot toy. <laughs> Jesus. Um. <laughs> yes. So. It's 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 kind of amazing, um, and what I think the something I do want to bring up is the fact that how Disney held it back so well, yeah. no spoilers, and they and it's true they sacrificed sales, sacrificed quote unquote sales uh, around the holidays when they could have definitely taken advantage of that, um, and they didn't. But yeah, the pre-orders came out prior to the holidays, so it's kind of like. The original action figures were like, hey, here, buy this base and we'll send you the figures later um, kind of thing. So um, no matter what, people are going to are going to, you know, buy up this stuff. Um, so they're not really losing anything. Um, but the respect for that, uh, that they did that, um, that, I really give it a lot to them for that. That was amazing. Um, just be able to for us to be there. Episode one and just have a little like the little hand come out and be like, what is this? <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, it's a baby Yoda. Um, and I don't need to fan explain anybody because plenty of people have done that already. So, um, so yeah, I'm looking really looking forward to it. I love the, the lone wolf and cub aspect of it. Uh, you know, all these, all these influences that star Wars, um, that, that gave George Lucas the inspiration for star Wars originally from, you know, Westerns to samurai movies and stuff like that. All of those themes got really, tied in well to the Mandalorian and I think that's what makes it work so well as you know as the show as well. So um anybody else have anything to say about it before we jump into a commercial? I will say that I have had no idea what Lone Wolf and Cup was until the first episode or two when I jumped into this group and people were talking about it and I'm like, okay, what is this? And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty kick ass. So the fact that this becomes a gateway to other cool yes. forms of storytelling and so on is just fantastic i love that there's an old story creating new gateways to other older stories and then the cycle just continues and continues for creative options to be available yeah i mean going along that i know people that are huge fans of westerns that like sat down and maybe accidentally watched the mandalorian not knowing what it was i i don't know i don't have an answer as to what cause them to start watching it but they're like dude this is just a western set in space i don't even know anything to do with star wars this is gorgeous this is beautiful and and i i love that vibe i love that vibe all right well let's jump into a 
commercial and we'll be back with more Star Warriors. From the far reaches of the galaxy to an internet location near you, we're don'tforgetatowel.com, your daily source for geeky pop culture news, reviews, interviews, and so much more. So as you're hitchhiking your way through the universe, don't forget to travel safe, and don't forget a towel. Defat Comics is the publishing branch of don'tforgetatowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. All right, we are back after those commercials. And so let's jump in a little bit about uh, Dave Filoni, um, J- John Favreau, the, you know, the creators of this show, um, the makers, if you will. So Dave Filoni's work has been very influential in Star Wars, uh, as we mentioned, the Clone Wars and Rebels, uh, really opening up new lore, um, new characters, and just really um, having a huge influence on on the entire entire Star Wars universe. So um, out of the two shows, uh, which one do you like more and why? Uh, Are you enjoying the continuation of some of those storylines from... um, from the shows in the Mando, and how much did you freak out when the Dark Saber showed up? I know we've touched on this a little bit, but let's let's get a little bit more into it. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll go in the order of the questions that you asked. Out of the two animated shows, Rebels to me is the superior show, um, and I think again because it's new characters and it is a continuation of Clone Wars, so where there are some things that were left off. Like, I really love Ahsoka. Oh, well, here's Ahsoka. You know what I mean? Like, I really love Rex. Oh, there's Rex. You know what I mean? Like, so a lot of the things um, that I loved in Clone Wars just continue in in Rebels. So it's almost like, in a way, like Back to the Future 2. Even though Back to the Future is the best movie of all time, or up there, Back to the Future 2 has everything from Back to the Future, but then adds hoverboards. So it's like, eh, all right. I get it. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I really like that a lot. Um, and then I think the thing is about this with Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau is that for many of us, we've been rallying for Dave Filoni to get into live action. And here it is. And you can tell that even though I know John Favreau is the one who pitched the show to Disney, Dave Filoni is the one who made this show what it is. It really is. Like, you've got the visuals of Jon Favreau, and he is a storyteller, but he ain't writing any of the movies that he did outside of Swingers. So, you know what I mean? It's like, he's obviously a Star Wars fan. He obviously has known Dave Filoni since um, working together on Clone Wars, and I'm sure they've had thousands of conversations about their love for Star Wars. But throwing in any piece of lore... It's Dave Filoni. He worked directly with George Lucas. He's George Lucas's protege. We don't even have another Dave Filoni that I know of right now. But like, you know, this this guy is the one who really is shepherding this show. And out of anybody in the entire galaxy, I hope Dave Filoni gets to get his own movie or trilogy or whatever. Or 
I'm just as happy with him staying on TV and just keep doing it live action. Um, and then the, you know, the dark saber, that was awesome. Um, I definitely did get super excited about it. It definitely did blow my mind. It unfortunately got kind of ruined on Twitter. So the impact that it could have, you know, got knocked out of my sales a little bit, but you know, what does that mean uh, for the future of the series? I'll be quite honest with you. I am very excited about it, but I'm more excited to see a what's going on with Yoda. And if you would have shown me a straight up lightsaber, that probably would have got me more excited than the dark saber. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, I I, I think Filoni is the guy who probably should have been handed Star Wars seven, eight, and nine from the get go. We just didn't know that. You know, I guess maybe somewhere Disney said we need an executive. We need someone to, you know, who who knows what big cinema is because Filoni only knows um, the Clone Wars at the time. And and and, you know, that makes sense from from an executive point of view. But I guess they might have learned it the hard way. But I'm not going to go down that diatribe. It's just Rebels as definitely proof in the pudding that he is learning to fine tune his ability to create these wonderful star wars worlds clone wars was was fun it and then that's how i treated the 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 prequels they were fun star wars stories and they helped me relive my childhood that i had in four five and six but rebels watching it now as an adult told the kind of story that i wanted to have with a Star Wars universe that happened between the movies where exactly like you said, Casey, it's new characters, it's new stories that we don't know the end of. And the fact that Ahsoka comes in and she is now this advisor. She's this seasoned Jedi who's marred by the, or excuse me, scarred by what happened during the clone wars and afterward, and then finding out what happened to her, her master and friend, you know, you, you have all of that. And, then you kind of have it left off where you don't know what happened to um, what? Why am I drawing a blank on his name? The the, the main Ezra. character Ezra. Ezra. As, you have no idea what happened to Ezra at the end, and and it just leaves that there. It's so well written in that everything about it was great, and they bring in Tarkin, mm-hmm. or not Tarkin, not Tarkin. Um, Thrawn. Uh, 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 Thrawn. Thrawn. Sorry. Well, uh, they bring in Thrawn I of mean, all people. Awesome, yeah, too. but they bring in Thrawn of all people. <laughs> To say that yeah we lo- yeah, everybody loves this guy, including me. I Filoni love this guy, so I have to have him on my show. I have to make him a part of this. That was that was just genius, and I love everything about that. And to see the dark saber show up in Mandalorian at, at the very end of the of the show, when when like you were talking about before, Rocco, when you start seeing the cutting happening, I'm just sitting there, I'm like, really? He's got a lightsaber. Like, okay, maybe he's, you know, a, a Jedi killer. I guess that makes sense. And then I start seeing this black go through, mm-hmm. and I just lose my collective shit. Just freaking out. I'm sitting at my desk at home going, no, no way, no way, no! And it was so great to seeing him standing there. I'm like, you're not going to cut away from this. You're not. And they did. And I went nuts. And I'm going, okay, you've got two great steps here for this. You've got... The dark saber in the hands of Giancarlo Esposito. There, this is the the perfect foil and protagonist for this show, and it it, mm-hmm. it cannot be only a season long. It's got to be the guy that is constantly there for a couple of seasons until you either finish this story or you finish a rather involved arc, and that that just 
that is what Star Wars TV shows for me should be. And I think Filoni's the only one right now who's proven that that's that he's got the right idea for it. Yeah, um, I mean, I loved Clone Wars tremendously. Uh, they did things with, you know, like we mentioned before, with, with what Chris mentioned as well, with, with the clones and just putting these characters. I remember, like, in the later seasons, I forget which episodes it was, um, where they're just like, it was the, the episode with that four-armed Jedi. It's like a four-arc mm-hmm. episode. I'm sorry? What was it, Krell? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, they're just dying left and right. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is horrible. And then it literally, like, you know, it made me step back and I was like, oh, wow. Like, I'm really caring for these characters and these clones and these troopers where I've never had that because they were just masked. And the fact that they build Clone Wars built that was was amazing. Um, And, again, they've introduced... You know, while we did have some of the characters there that there was no threat to because, you know, obviously we know what happens to Anakin. We know what happens to one person. We know what happens to the other. We had characters like Ahsoka. I mean, literally my favorite scene from Clones is, you know, Ahsoka just giving that medallion back to to Anakin and saying her goodbye. And just like for those of you guys who know me, like I've posted that picture like a bazillion times. But in the end, Rebels is 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 the show because uh, on for me because yeah they're new characters you worry about them and um one thing actually that i just thought about recently was how well star wars as a whole has done giving every jedi their own very personal character like there are no two you know mace is who mace is and and Ezra is who Ezra is, and Luke is Luke, and Yoda is Yoda. And there's no like, oh, that Jedi reminds me of that Jedi. No, they're all so different. And Kanan is probably my all-time favorite Jedi. And so like to to see Kanan go through all the stuff and then go blind and you know with with, with Bindu and in the end, like I don't want to spoil it for whoever's listening to this, because I'm gonna tell you, go watch Rebels. But we all know that one scene at the end with Kanan, like I'd probably watch that scene in like a daily basis. Like it's queued up. I just put it on and I just get the feels like that scene with Kanan is one of the best written moments of all star Wars, just how it ended up there. So rebels, I think as a whole, um, I just, I preferred, but again, that doesn't diminish clone wars at all. It's just, uh, you know, a preferred of the two, um, back to what, uh, Casey said though, I actually do prefer that it was the dark saber versus a lightsaber because the dark saber, you know, directly connects to the Mandalorian. So it is way more important to the story um, to, you know, for what's going on there. But even more importantly, the entire time I'm watching this entire show, all I think about is rebels and how it ended, um, you know, with what was going on with Mandalore and the Mandalorians and rebels and, I keep thinking, whatever happened to them? What, you know, what's going on with them? Sure, there was the purge, but you know, whatever happened to that, to, to those characters? And it, you know, while we don't have a direct answer, he happened to them. Like somehow he took them out, the last of them out. He got a hold of that saber, and it, it just like tied it completely. It's like, sure, it was its own thing, but that moment, it's just like, nope, this is a sequel to Rebels. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, um, super excited, and um, I can't wait to see where it goes. 
I just want to say, oh, go on, Chris. Just real quick, I just want to touch on that. What did they? What did they call it? The the field of tears. What What did they? What did he reference? Oh, I forgot. But yeah, he did something tears. Something the night of tears. Like, what What did you uh, say? Crap! I was just watching it and I can't remember. <laughs> the day of tears, the night of tears, week something, of tears. Yeah, and it's Fortnite just like, what tears. is that? <laughs> the night what of is- a thousand tears was an event part of the siege of Mandalore. In 19 uh, BBY, in which gunships outfitted with heavy repeating blasters attacked fields occupied by Mandalorian recruits. So we'll see that. Will we see that in the last episode, the last season of Clone Wars coming out soon? (laughs) That's a safe bet. Yeah. Well, does that happen pre original trilogy or does that happen? Post because there's still you know the battle of Mandalore the battle of Mandalore is this final season it it was something that they wanted to do in originally with Clone Wars and they how they wanted to close it out and so I suppose that this will be part of it um yeah because it's like um the big things are like Darth Maul and Ahsoka are going to battle during that whole (laughs) during that battle and whatnot so that's why she comes back and leads leads that Rex and Trooper so I. I imagine we're going to see, will we see him off Gideon? You know, that's the other thing. It's going to be kind of interesting to see how much they tie all this together. So an animated Moff Gideon, that'd be pretty wild. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, the night of a thousand tears was an eventful part of the siege of Mandalore in 19 BBY. So it'd be a safe bet that we'll see it this season. Like you said, 19 years before the battle of the Evan, huh? Hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Awesome. All right. Go ahead, Rocco. No, Casey, why don't I just, I just wanted to say Oh, I'm sorry, thing. Casey. That's right. No, 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 sorry. That's cool. I am excited. I I understand why the Darksaber makes sense, storytelling-wise, because it goes and ties in everything. The only reason I'd be more excited for Lightsaber is because it would be completely out of left field. And then we have to go and say, we've only seen Lightsabers from Luke. And you know what I mean? Like, certain ones, is it like some other Jedi that's just happened to be out there. Like there'd be way more questions. The dark saber is directly. Nope. We know where this is. We know what happened. Yes. We have to get to see, you know, we need a and B to, in order to get to C. but we've, we understand that this is the threads that we're going to seeing a lightsaber would be so completely out there that I'd have to question a lot more. That's the only reason why. I agree with what you're saying. man. I mean, if if Mando is taking baby Yoda across the galaxy to find something, you never know where you find another Jedi hiding out. Like, that's That's all. Yeah, I mean... And the fact that they did bring a saber into the story. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, um, in terms of the cartoon shows, obviously, I love them both. Watch them both multiple, multiple times. Um, Personally... I am a huge fan of the character of Anakin Skywalker um, and a huge fan of Darth Vader. Um, people that know me know that that is it's my most favorite character is Vader. And the, really the dichotomy between Vader and Anakin um, intrigues me. Always be my favorite character. Um, I think that Clone Wars gave us the Anakin um, that redeems Hayden Christensen. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I think Hayden Christensen did great. I mean, what would you do if you had a, a whiny little lovesick bitch that had a ton of powers? I mean, that's exactly what he would be. I, I think he just did that very well. I, I don't I guess I don't agree with the people that were pissed off about it, but like, I love her so much, I'm gonna kill everyone. 
It's just like, to me, okay, good. That's what you would do. <laughs> but anyway, I feel like Clone Wars really gave us a, a better, a, a more Anakin um, that we needed. Um, that made me respect the character even more. And that's why I love Clone Wars. Now, bleeding into Rebels, Ahsoka is my favorite character in terms of the animated series. Why? Because she reminds me of my daughter. Um, and I just think that she's just strong-minded, strong-willed, still curious, makes mistakes, but is willing to own up to them. And when it bled into Rebels and Ahsoka fought Vader um, and she cracked his mask, um, I'm about to start crying right now. I don't know about any of you guys, but like I, I was just like, don't. I told my, my wife, I don't look at me. Don't look at me right now. <laughs> um, I'm not crying. I'm fine. There's the wind got my eyes, and Very it's making me cry. Um, but again, that's where that's where I'm at. I I like Clone Wars better, um, but I absolutely adored Rebels, and that's that's not going to change. Um, in terms of the dark saber, I talked about that a lot already. Um, earlier, uh, same feelings. I mean, I set my drink down, and I was just doing one of these when I saw the dark saber. Um, for me, I think this was touched upon uh, previously. I want to know how we got that. I want to know if I'm correct in Rebels, the Duchess's sister was the last person yeah. to touch that because uh, Sabine gave it to her, saying it was rightfully hers, really. And then, and that's where we—that's where we last saw the dark saber. And now this twat in the in the freaking Tie Fighter, he's got it. And I don't like I don't like him, but that's good. That's how you know he's a good actor. Because if an actor can incite you to hate him, then he's a pretty fantastic actor, in my opinion. So really, I love seeing the dark saber. Prefer Clone Wars, but I mean, give me as much animated Star Wars as you want. You know what I mean? I'm always gonna love it. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, um, none of us watch, but yeah. What's that? So except for that resistance show that none of us watch. I, I <laughs> right, watch right, it. yeah. I only yeah, picked it up for five dollars because of uh, oh sorry, three dollars because of an Amazon goof on how they were selling the season. There you go. Oh, I remember that. That's I right. watched season one. It wasn't that bad. Like one thing I learned about Star Wars is it's just like it's like Batman, you know, like you have like the good artists and the good writers that you love, but in you know, you also have the the the, the cheesy tv show that used to exist and that's still good in its own way and so not everything is going to be exactly the the style or the feel you want but you know it wasn't horrible resistance was, was pretty good yeah i will say that people say that season two is much better especially yeah. towards the and i heard like uh, yeah i heard that too like, itself. so i'm i am gonna watch it once it's all on disney plus just kind of binge it and get it done with because yeah. I like I, I do want to get into that time period more, and I'd, I'd love to see more stories, but I, it didn't really uh, flow well with me at first. Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Rocco on this one. Um, I except I, I don't like hating Christensen that much as Anakin Skywalker. He's okay. Um, <laughs> I hate George Lucas's writing. I think it's horrible. Yes, that's um, fair. It's, yeah, it's just like, and I always felt like the use of all those green screens and stuff just really took people out of it. Um, opposed to working like what even what they do on the Mandalorian, where it's like very real and practical in a lot of things, so it, you're more into it. Um, so I just felt it wasn't the best performance, but 
that Anakin in the Clone Wars is what I wanted from Anakin Skywalker. And I love Darth Vader. And just to see um, his him kind of evolve as a leader and then also as a master, not a master master, but, you know, Ahsoka's master. Um, and just kind of like I started my my rewatch before, you know, the new season starts. So um, I'm just getting more and more into it as I as I watch it. And I just I love that show. And I love Rebels as well. But for me, Star Wars is about war as well. And so when it's sometimes I feel like, especially with the new trilogy, I didn't feel too much of a war aspect. Um, there are some great starfighter scenes and whatnot. But when I watch like Rogue One, I'm just like, this is this is Star Wars. And yeah, uh, I really like that about uh, Clone Wars. It was very like the beginning was very like propaganda, like <laughs> the war, the war serials and stuff like that. And and just the jumps. So you would have all these different like Rebels is very it flowed very well over, you know, one story, basically. But Clone Wars is like, here's what's happening here. And then like Plo Koon's here doing this and Kip Fisto's here doing this. So it was a very, I guess, let's say spread out show at times. And I like that about about it as well. And I love the clones and I love Rex. And um, I guess I, I just really like Clone Wars a lot. <laughs> the so as far as like the the continuing storylines, I guess I'll just tie it in with the dark saber. Um, the cool thing about the Mandalorian was we saw so many viral blades throughout the episode, something that we really didn't see too much um, elsewhere in Star Wars, and that was a really amazing thing. And I really thought, oh, he's just cutting out cutting out of that Tie Fighter with a viral blade. And then when you see what it is, you're like, holy crap! Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of that that for me was kind of a left left uh, field thing, even even though it makes total total sense that they would tie it in from you know Filoni's previous work and that makes it even better but you know it was I wasn't I wasn't expecting it at all so um yeah amazing I I just uh, and I really want to see um you know just like we said how does he get it I hope they do some you know some tiebacks to that maybe we'll see what Darth Maul was doing it with it you know after he got into Clone Wars a little bit you know so there's hints and rumors it's just you know you know just grains of salt but it would be amazing if like we saw like a flashback with like darth maul and and the dark saber in live action on the tv show um because what they just did was solo and stuff like that so um a lot of exciting things coming you know and i we'll see where it goes real real quick just uh i i love what you said about propaganda in the beginning of Clone Wars, it's always like a, the beginning of a propaganda video. So, so I don't know how many of you have actually read the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, um, episode three. Um, but the beginning of the book talks a lot about how Anakin and Obi-Wan were celebrity in Coruscant. And on the Hollow Net, it was like, Anakin and Obi-Wan go to this battle and save the day. And Anakin and Obi-Wan fucking fix this. And Anakin and Obi-Wan cure the coronavirus. Like it, it's it was just all this propaganda about how the two of them together were like these these superheroes on the hollow net. And I love that uh, Clone Wars, the show, kind of starts with that propaganda. And who do we usually see is Anakin and Obi-Wan at some battle where they're the freaking heroes. And I, I just I really love that tie in. So just just to speak on that a little bit. Yeah, you there is something there is. There is something out there where they say the 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 Gendi show, the original Clone Wars cartoon, there is actually what like the real stories of what happened, and then the Clone Wars Filoni show is like propaganda to make the Republic look better. Huh. The series? 
I've read weird things like that online. Yeah, it's just just ideas like that. You know what I mean? So, um, but that that kind of like where when you watch that original Clone Wars show, it's so different because it's just like the Jedi, like that Mace Windu episode where he's just like going full bore like Jedi. It's so crazy. And then it kind of tempts. It tempers with the it tempers back to normal Star Wars, you know, with um with the Clone Wars. So that's I always thought that was kind of a neat uh, a neat thing. So and um I kind of like the use of propaganda. I'm not sure for any of you guys who might have read Ahsoka, but one of the main issues I always had was just like how within the end of three to the beginning of four, like you don't even hear about Jedi's, but in that book they really like show like you know how the the Empire is kind of like going to every planet and you even say the word jedi you're done you're like Mm -hmm. they're gonna take you out right there and so like it it really kind of builds on the wow you're not even allowed to talk about it of course like two you know a generation and a half two generations later nobody knows about it because every kid didn't grow up learning about it because their parents weren't even gonna you know utter that word Mm -hmm. so I, i loved how they used that and it was the first time you know, in, in that book that I was just like, all right, now it makes sense. Absolutely. I, that, that's something that we've actually talked about. It's like, what a what a crazy time period to just like have fear and just have like, oh, we can't talk about this. And it, it makes sense in, in, in real life, too, where it just things are pushed, pushed into the into the nothing. Um, and you wonder how that happens. But that's through control and fear. So, um, yeah, very real. So let's. Um, Let's jump into this next uh, this topic. Let's talk about the Mandalorian himself, um, Din Djarin. And so, um, how how do you how did you feel about the character? Um, do you feel that his the way they introduced him, the little tidbits about his past? Um, just just get into him a little bit. Yeah, sorry. With Pedro Pascal um, not talking hardly ever, not seeing his face. I thought that that was actually really brilliant. You know, you think that sometimes if you're uh, an established actor and he's not Tom Cruise, but like, you know what I mean? Like you want to show your face off and even in flashbacks, they didn't even do it. And I thought that was really great. I thought that he was a complex character, um, giving more of a a soul, you know what I mean? Like when it comes to helping out, uh, I guess he probably sees himself in the child given that they were both both orphans in a way. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm very excited to see um, how that's going to go, how his evolution's going to go, if he's going to stay a Mandalorian. Um, what does it mean to be a Mandalorian? Because he's quote-unquote not one. You know what I mean? Like that whole mythology right there i'm you know are we gonna see like training sequences of how you become a bounty hunter are they all bounty hunters like these are all like the questions that go through my head when i watch that show you know what is the the beskar armor like how is that meant to go to the bounty? okay so sorry i could go on forever and ask all these questions that i want answered eventually but the answer is um i like him way more than i like the other bounty hunter in mandalorian armor i.e boba fett or shitty Django Fett. <laughs> so I'm um, I'm happy with uh, what we've seen so far. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, agree with that. Um, that th- th- this character is meant to have to be, you know, mired in 
in secrecy for lack of a better way of putting it um you know it's he the only thing and Casey you were there for it was watching the first episode I felt like there was such an inconsistency with this character that first opening scene was so badass and he, he was precise he was deadly he was cold calculated there was everything so great about that um and he then goes into the next episode or the next like fight in in that episode and he's just seeming caught off guard he's seeming uh sort of um just not as efficient for lack of a better way that was the that, so th- for that first impression for me i was like do they know what they're gonna do with this character and then the rest of the show he was very much like that so i felt that there was a weird hiccup in that initial episode they didn't know how to tell his story they just wanted to grab our attention and then after they had, they're like, well, he's actually a person. Here we go. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really liked that. And to your point, Casey, the fact that he doesn't talk a whole lot is a it's, it's a really good way of creating this character that's interesting without being, you know, overzealous with his story. And the way that they revealed his face, I personally enjoyed that because it's the only way they could have done it, obviously. You know, where he could be true to his creed, he could be true to himself and everything that he believes while still saving himself and showing us what he looks like. Uh, Not sure if I'm still solid on, I like the fact that he's human, or at least looks human, especially since they established that Mandalorian is a creed, not a race of people. That was an opportunity for them to be like, look, it's not a human being, Um, but... I, I'm not bitter about it or not saying it was bad. I'm just not sure how exactly I feel, but that's just my opinion on it. Um, yeah, like I actually like the fact that, um, you know, he gets beat up a couple times and sorry about that. Um, but it's to me like, cause he was a pretty badass in that. Um, Sorry, is that popping up? No, I mean the sound. Uh, yeah, the sound is... Rafa, you go. Wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, in terms of uh, the character Din Djarin himself, um, I, I really, uh, psychologically speaking, I don't know, maybe I think too much into this whole thing, but um, his parents left him in a, like a little area right and when when the droids came and they saved his life but they they fucking left him there and i think that it speaks a lot to the fact that he was found by the death watch based on what we saw <clears throat> um but he was left there by his parents those are the people you trust the most so there is that where he wants to be a lone wolf, but he feels like he owes something to the Mandalorians. And I think that a lot of that comes from his this this abandonment in this scene that we've seen over and over again in his flashbacks. And it's very important. I, th- I think that is one of the most important things to this character is his parents leaving him there. So he doesn't trust anyone. Now, his parents did that to protect him. But when you're, what, six, seven years old, the hell do you know? You don't know that. You just know that my parents left me in here and these Mandalorians saved my life. 
And I think that the continuity of how the character is written now to be a lone wolf, but still feels he owes something to the Mandalorian, psychologically speaking, was written near perfect. So the character, in my mind, going that deep into it, I think is freaking perfect. I think that it's it's incredible, and I think that kind of starting his own family with his his crew of Kara, his crew of well, IG Eleven who's dead now, but there, you know, uh, the child. He's almost creating his own fan, his own family that he can create his own trust with because of how deeply trust was betrayed with him at such a young age. Even though his parents did the right thing, you've got to look at the perception of a little kid and, and how they view that. Um, I, I, I think he's fantastic. Um, as for revealing his face, I mean, I would hope he looked like Pedro Pascal because he's played by Pedro Pascal. So if it was like, I don't know, uh, David Duchovny, I'd be very confused. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, it was, that's, I was looking for his face to be revealed, uh, to, to the point, uh, I think Colin, it was your point. I think that was the only way they could have done it and keep him true to his creed, um, by having a, you know, uh, uh, a non-organic, if you will, uh, looking at him while he takes his helmet off. Um, I love the character. I can't wait to see more. Um, I want them to build on, they built on him very, in a very smart way. Again, based on just looking at the psychology of the character. And I hope that they continue to build off of that. He has trust issues and I want to see more of him trying to overcome that. Yeah. So sorry about that before, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love that he wasn't like, you know, picture perfect, um, it seems like he knows humans, and so, you know, like, he knows how to handle them, to fight them, but he can't, uh, you know, accurately fight creatures, so he's always getting, like, his ass handed to him with those, and, and I kind of like that, you know, he's just, like, he's been dealing with people all his life, he doesn't like droids, and he does his best against creatures and stuff. Um, I remember a lot of people were just, like, saying, oh, why would he go back for, for Baby Yoda? But I think over the episodes, and you know, you kind of learn who he is as a foundling. He, I think he does see, and, you know, that gets established at the final episode, too, that, you know, uh, the acid, in a way, is a foundling in its own way. And so he must have seen that there. And then you also see that even from the beginning, he always brought his targets in alive. You know what I mean? He always, he put them in, in, in Carbonite and he brought them in alive. He wasn't one to, so somewhere within him, he was never like this killer. So even when we see the prisoner, which to me was just like, okay, he is badass. Like that was the episode where I was just like, he is deadly. But even when you see that, it shows that he's, you know, he just doesn't kill for the sake of killing. Um, especially when he can avoid it, especially maybe if there's, past history there's more to things than i'm taking you out or or whatnot and um i just yeah i think just overall he was just a, a really good uh mandalorian who you know there's a, there's depth to his character absolutely that's yeah that's a lot of that stuff you guys i'm not going to repeat any of it um because i think we're all on the same page with that i do want to mention kind of like 
I want to touch on like how he's not perfect either. And I think one of my favorite scenes is when he goes up against the Jawas and he, and he, it's just, it's amazing. It's such a cool scene with him, like climbing the sand so crawler good. reminds me of video games. And then it's like, Oh, he's going to get up there and he's going to take these guys out. And then he gets, um, he gets, he gets, you know, shocked or whatever and falls all the way down and just lays there and baby Yoda comes up and is like, Hey, what's up? That scene is just, it's so funny. And it, it, it was unexpected. Um, but it really just says, you know, he's not, he's not like this perfect mercenary badass who, who would just be like, yeah, he can just go into any situation and, 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 and do what he wants to do. And I, I like that too, because I think it just, you know, it's easier to relate to somebody like that, um, and to see his flaws. Um, and yeah, I, I thought that whole thing with IG 11 being able to take, like, take his mask off was, it was smart. Um, and it was the one way that we could actually see, you know, Pedro Pascal's face. Cause it's like, who wants to be an actor in a show? Yeah. It's star Wars and it's a great role and it's an awesome opportunity, but what actor doesn't want to show their face? You know, to be honest, it's, it's just kind of like that. Yeah, um, so <laughs> that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> Kenny Baker. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know what? I thought um, Din Djarin, I, 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 I love what you said about that Rocco. And I, I really didn't think too deep into it like that, but um, it, it does make a lot more sense like that. Um, that I was like, why do they keep showing the same scene over and over again? It was kind of like repetitive. But when you think about it that way, it is, it's like emotional scars. And so, and then it keeps building and building. And it's like, he, he sees the explosion. And the next thing you know is like that, that that super battle droid is outside that and then also in the next one we see is death watch so it's very like um it is actually set up very well and is in, into somebody's psyche like that and it, the way they filmed that so yeah i i absolutely agree with that um so yeah that's anybody else want to say anything about um the mando before we jump into scoring the first season while we were on the subject of him and him as an actor, um, did you guys, you know, hear what happened with Pedro when he got offered the position? Like John and Filoni, like called him into the office, right? So he walked, like he knows obviously it's going to be Star Wars related. He's excited, and like he said it in one of his interviews, and he walks in, and the the whole room, wall to wall, is plastered with just shots and drawings of Mandalorians and different like that. So he sees all that. And he's like, yeah, I'm in. Who do I get to play? Like he, he, he was saying, you know, Pedro was saying how he, he thought he would be like a side character. It's like, oh, am, am I that guy pointing at, you know, a creature or am I that guy? And John was like, no, you're we want you for the Mandalorian. And he basically said he just started crying like on the spot. <laughs> <So> <laughs> really just cool. kind of awesome to, to see like, you know, because and all these cast members that are there, they're just like they're. These are people that probably, you know, grew up like us, loving these movies, and they're they're living their dream now. They're like, even if it's a side role, they get to be part of it, and it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's a good point you just said there. Um, it's like now that George Lucas has given it up, it's kind of like we're we're benefiting from awesome fan films in a way, and mm -hmm. that's really where it's like I think it's just going to really flourish. Is like letting these guys who grew up who. Um, guys and gals who grew up with Star Wars and who had influenced their careers and now they're out there making these these great projects and now they can add their flair to Star Wars. So I think it's I think it's pretty amazing like that. So all right. So let's uh scale of one to ten. 
rate the first season? And what would you like to see in season two? I'm going to give it a, a nine out of 10. Um, music, some of the best music out of Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, that guy did solo too, and I love that solo soundtrack so much. Um, I know the same guy. Yeah, acting, fantastic. Um, practical effects. The fact that Baby Yoda is a practical effect is amazing. You know, they could have done CGI, and I'm glad they went the Henson route. I guess the only reason it's not a 10 is you could make the argument that there isn't many new things that are being seen in this series. Um, Even though it's new to us, the Mandalorians we've seen, the Darksaber we've seen, Yoda we've seen, we've seen Westerns in Star Wars, we've seen all these things. So as good as it is, it is not completely new. So um, it gets a 9 out of 10. And for season 2... I guess, like, we're still in a thing, and I guess it still goes to that little 1%. We're still connecting to things. You know what I mean? Star Wars has yet to be completely free of the Skywalkers and the Mandalorians and everything from the past. Like, I want to see more new stuff, and, and that's what I'd be more excited about for season two, even though a lightsaber or two is never going to be, uh, I'm never going to say no to that, (laughs) but, um, you know, keep the same humor, keep the same team, more diversity, you know, continue the diversity rather in the, in the casting as well as the behind the scenes people and, um, keep up the good work. Yeah. I I would agree that a lightsaber or two, uh, would not be argued against at this point. Um, but I'll get into that in a second. I, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, just only because of episodes 4 and 5. I I know that the, the whole point of those episodes were to kind of be like, hey, they're not part of the main plot, which is, you know, the Mandalorian against, you know, the, the Empire. So he's kind of running from his decision to, you know, vacate the, the guild. But it was a little too striking for me, you know, the the separation, the tones of those episodes, and just they they didn't really seem to play into anything other than to introduce Cara Dune. and that that was pretty much it for me. And it just kind of was like, oh, I I have no need to rewatch these two episodes at all, honestly. And I could watch one, two, three, six, seven, eight, and I'm good for this whole season, forever and ever. Amen. Even when they introduce her again at the end in episode seven, I could just be like, oh, who's this character? And then he actually says, oh, this is Cara Dune later in that episode. Cool. I'm on board. We just saw her kick ass in a bar fight. I don't need to know any more backstory on her. All right. Um, but th- that that's probably the only weakness that I have on it. Next season, I would love to see so much more backstory on him. Now that we've seen his face, we have the opportunity for flashbacks. We have the opportunity to see what his training was like. What was life like as a foundling? What was it as an early on member of the guild? And why was it that... Um, you know, he has such a problem with droids. Uh, oh, no, wait. No, I take that back. We already figured that out. Dirt. <laughs> I'm paying attention. Um, 
but but that's that's where I want to see a Jedi fight. You know, I want to see if he's had that kind of experience, that kind of a you know a rare encounter with such a tough foe. You know, and and obviously more Giancarlo Esposito. I need to see that 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 particular battle between the two of them, and more of what why Baby Yoda is so important. Does he play into everything that happened with the Empire later on in Rise of Skywalker, or you know, with is he a clone? I need to have those kinds of answers. That's what I would love to see. Yeah, I think I'm on the same level. I'd give it like eight and a half, nine, um, only because you know, uh, not that there was anything wrong with it at all, but obviously, it, there there could have been a few things that that, that could have been touched up. Uh, I agree. You know, four and five were a little. Um, more sidetracked. I saw them important in a different way. You know, one establishing he has to be on the run and because, you know, they'll always be able to track Baby Yoda and the other one establishing he needs money uh, as a bounty hunter. Um, but also, I'm pretty sure it was episode four. I mean, we got the, the, the best Baby Yoda sipping broth gif. I've used that more than anything. And uh, that in itself makes that episode <laughs> worth it um, you make an excellent point <laughs> but uh just yeah i mean overall it, it gets in you know eight and a half nine because it just it just connected to the world so well i mean speaking of you know his hate for droids i love that they used you know those the, the federation droids um and it, it was kind of cool to see that and um yeah, it's just I, I can't wait for the next season, man. I, this was it's it's definitely one of those shows I, I just keep on watching every now and then. It's it's re- really good, and there was nothing particularly bad. There was no moment, even like on my least favorite episodes, they're still great episodes. So it was just fun to watch. Man, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Casey. I'm gonna say a nine out of ten because nothing is perfect. Nothing is The Empire Strikes Back. Um, so not all things can be absolutely perfect. Um, with that being said, you know, there were episodes and I, I hate people use this term. My brother says this, my brother's a huge star Wars fan. Like I am. He said that there were a few throwaway episodes and I don't like that term because they were episodes that again, veered us a little off track to the main story. Um, but I, I guess, Looking at that and going into season two, I want lore. I want so much lore. I want fill me with fill me with lore. Now, um, wow, that sounded dirty, but anyway. Um, with that being said, I I want I like Casey. To your point, you said I want to see new stuff. I want to see more new stuff. So do I. But I want to see allusions to our allusions to the past. For instance, I think as some of you, I, I talked about this in Messenger. I want Mandalorian and his crew to go into a cantina, and there's a drunk ex-stormtrooper who's just like, guys, so he went into battle, and this guy in black, he, like, choked out, like, seven people <laughs> with his mind. There we go. Seriously, dude. And, like, they're, like, crazy old guy. We just give him free drinks. He's always talking about the guy in black who killed a whole bunch of people by himself. He's crazy. But, again, I want to see those allusions to the the previous movies, hear stories from past characters that we know of where we can tongue-in-cheek 
go, I know what he's talking about. And and that's what I want to see. But I also want to see the new stories, the new characters that just that tell those funny stories that we can connect to. Um, that's what I'm looking for at episode two. I know there's a whole lot of rumors about Afra. There's rumors about uh, Ahsoka being in the next season. I mean, for me, they would have to do a really goddamn good job of explaining why they're there. Um, and I would have to really, that would have to be really, really awesome, you know, for me to, to just be like, that's cool. Um, but all in all, nine out of 10, I enjoyed every episode. Some episodes I felt were a little out of place, but that's okay. They were fun. It was Star Wars and it was done so well. Practical effects, music, action. I mean, I felt like it didn't insult my intelligence either. I'm not very intelligent, but what intelligence I have wasn't insulted. And I think that I think that that's important. I, I, I can't wait till season two. Yeah. Absolutely. Nine yeah. out of ten. Nine out of ten, guys. For me, um, all that stuff you guys all touched on, of course. I mean, we're all pretty much in the same boat. Um, but, yeah, I mean – you know, going from, you know, we got we got a little bit more practical effects with the new trilogy, um, which was very, you know, appreciated because that's something I, that bothered me about the prequels, as I've mentioned. But to see this more, you know, to see the money that they put into each episode where they spent basically on the eight episodes, what it would cost to make a movie um, and then to break it up into that. We got such a good production. And you know what? It's like at times I would be like, eh, well, you know, a 30 minute episode isn't enough, but that's only because we want more, you know? So it's like, it's, it's a real treat. Um, and you know, yeah, it flaws, but at the end of the day, it, it, it delivered what, um, you know, I wanted from it. Um, you know, I'm, I've always wanted more mental stuff and we got that through Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff, but to get more into that and to deliver that into the post return of the Jedi world, um, especially on this scale, is is pretty amazing. So um, I am looking forward to more of that. Um, but in season two, you know, I want to see more Outer Rim stuff. I want them to do, you know, find new worlds, m- new characters, like we've been saying. Um, who knows? Like, get go beyond the Outer Rim even, you know, where, where does, you know, where the chist come from or whatever. So just kind of the stuff that we've been talking about for years, um, through books and stuff, just maybe explore that. Bring in some EU stuff. But um, I would love to see where, you know, maybe the child is starting to develop his powers more and then him and uh, the Mando can team up in a way almost, you know, and, and battle battle foes that way where he can use the force and and maybe like force throw the Mando or whatever. Like, watch Baby Yoda grow up a little bit and Fast just come into his own. <laughs> What's that? Yes, exactly. That was, I was going to reference X-Men in a way, but um, yeah, just throw Baby Yoda into a crowd and watch him do his thing, you know. We can see that. <laughs> yeah. So, anybody have any other comments before we end the show? Um, like, on that, actually, maybe it was just me that got that assumption, because you would think they, they did such, I mean, Lucas made it a point that the species that Yoda is, it is so rare, and so, like, I'm not going to talk about it. it. You know, when you were thinking about it, uh, realistically per se within the Star Wars universe, that means that 
they obviously nobody knows where that species is from because nobody talks about it. You know what I mean? It's it's not just hiding it from the audience. It's just a mystery within the that world. Nobody knows what kind of species it is. Like they see it, they're like, what is that? Um, and so I do think, I, I mean, I did have the assumption that they are going to go beyond that outer rim beyond those worlds because if it was within those worlds then how come we haven't seen it more of it um which i think might you know it'll it comes to to what casey said before we might see totally different things who knows like one thing i did love about the season is when i was looking at the the spaceships the the hover cars the or what or whatnot um the the droids it, it brought me back to the originals, to to episode four and five, and they did yeah, a good yeah. job because it's only four, five, it's five years after that, so it gets you in in that era, and you know they have that window whether they do it or not. And again, I'm not, I don't like to hope on stuff because I don't like getting, you know, I don't want to be disappointed, and I'll be happy either way. But they have that option of being like they're going to entirely different places where it's entirely different, you know, vehicles, different. Who knows? Um, but they, they have that opening to do that. And that also, I think, connects to the rumors of Ahsoka because she's actually with Sabine. So, you know, right? It wasn't at them too. Ahsoka and Sabine went looking for Ezra. So Sabine yep. automatically connects. She's a Mandalorian. So, like, she's almost given needs to be in there. She's Filoni's freaking baby. So she needs to. And they were going to look for Ezra, who, for all we know, her and Thrawn, him and Thrawn, are somewhere gone. So, it. it it's just the fact that, you know, Ezra and Thrawn disappeared, that Ahsoka and and Sabine, a Mandalorian, one of the last at this point, goes looking for him. And now he kind of has, you know, a Mando has to go looking probably in unexplored territory to find where this baby comes from. It, it, it's all like these like little dots that are just like, uh, they're all pointing that way and that way connects. Or at least, you know, so we hope. But uh, I don't know. I, I do. I do feel like, you know, that's who knows. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I get overexcited for this. Um, just to comment on that, too. I really like the way, though, like to your point, Lucas always kept the whole what's Yoda species like hidden. And I think that that should continue. And when they saw the armorer in that scene in the final episode, and they were making that point. I was really worried that she was going to be like, oh, it's a whatever Wahoots it. You know what I mean? And you just be like, God damn it. But yeah, she, called, she said it was a, a Jedi. You know what I mean? Uh, these these warrior monks. And yeah. and I love that that's where they went with it. That that Because he explained specifically it can move things with its mind. And, and she was like, yeah, I know what the fuck that is. We fought those motherfuckers. You know what I mean? And I... I I like that. I like that it wasn't a, it's, you know, this is the species. It continues, it perpetuates that mystery of what it really is. And I think that that's fantastic. However, just to kind of add on, and I, I, this is going to open a can of worms maybe, and I apologize, but how cool would it be if it wasn't a big deal but somehow our Mandalorian crossed paths with a Luke Skywalker played by a Sebastian Stan. Yes, That's all I'm saying. Earlier. Yes. <laughs> I just, uh, just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it. Not a big scene, not a big moment, just a, just a path crossing. And we're like, I think that was Luke. 
And that's it. That's all I need. That's it. Anyway, that's all I gotta say. What was the actors uh, in Solo? Lando? Oh, uh, Don, oh, Don, Don Glover? Glover and Sebastian Stan looking for ain't like I mean, pretty much Lando said that in the last movie. He's just like, yeah, yeah me and Luke, we're looking around for it. Like, bam. Th- like, that's another thing that connects right there. He's like, they're out there looking for stuff, too. Oh, can man. of worms. Just, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't I help it, and I'm Why sorry. Why would you do this? Uh, that's always a trending topic in the group. Sebastian <laughs> Stan hashtag. Hashtag Sebastian Stan and Luke. That's it. That's it. It's it's gonna happen. It has to happen. It's Disney family. Um, <laughs> awesome, awesome guys. Thank you for being a part of today's show. Um, does okay. anybody want to plug anything um, before we uh, before we sign off? Critical Mass just dropped a new episode today. Um, check us out. Uh, we're an awful podcast. If you like to take showers immediately after you listen to a podcast, um, then give us a listen. Um, today we we had a great episode. So check us out. That's critical mass. All right. Well, Casey and I run a little website called Don't Forget a Towel. Our normal show is Towel I Talk. So you can find that on uh, this episode and more on that network. So head on over to don'tforgetatowel.com. And, you know, we're not sure exactly what the next episode is going to be yet. We uh, we talk on a daily basis, so I'm sure we'll figure that out. Uh, So look forward to the next episode of Star Warriors coming soon. Be with you.